Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. I'm Nil Zacharias, and you're listening to Eat for the Planet. On this show, we try to answer the question, how can we eat in a way that nourishes us without starving the planet? The show features conversations with food industry leaders, health and sustainability experts, as well as entrepreneurs and creative minds who are redefining the future of food. I'm very excited to feature Lettuce Grow on this episode of the podcast. Founded by Jacob Pachenik and Zoe Deschanel, Let Us Grow is on a mission to bring much-needed change to our food system and help people use fewer resources by growing healthier food at home. Let Us Grow's self-watering, self-fertilizing hydroponic farm stands are vertical vegetable gardens made from ocean-bound recycled plastic that make it easy and fun for everyone to grow fresh food, no matter their gardening knowledge or background. Lettuce Grow's farm stands provide a serious harvest while remaining accessible to the modern, busy lifestyle. If you are interested in food, health, sustainability, technology, and the future of farming, you are going to love this conversation. This is Jacob Pachenik from Lettuce Grow. Jacob Pachenik from Let Us Grow, thank you for joining us on the Eat for the Planet podcast. It's an honor to be here. Jacob, so uh, we've obviously chatted a few times about uh, the work you're doing, but um, you've been resistant to do the podcast, but I'm glad you're finally here. Um, I think I think Let Us Grow is a fascinating, much-needed, really interesting company, and I'm excited to share your story and the story of your company today. Uh, so let's just start right in the beginning. What got you interested in food? Well, apart from eating it three times a day and some snacks here and there, um, it was really when I learned I was going to be a dad. That's when I started looking at labels and wondering uh, what kind of what are we putting in you know to ourselves and what kind of baby are we going to have? I wanted to have the most healthy baby possible, and um, there was just a lot of weird stuff on the labels. And I asked all the friends I knew if they knew what they were, and not a single person knew what these uh, ingredients were. And so I wondered, well, who does know? The government? You know, who's looking out for us? And at that point, I decided, let's just opt out of all this sort of questionable things. Let's just 
eat food as nature intended it, um, eat fresh produce, you know, organically grown. And that's when I had the revelation that, wow, this stuff isn't very accessible. We could go to the farmer's market and shop at the organic aisle of Whole Foods or wherever, but how's everyone else going to do that? And uh, that's when I realized there were some real issues in the food system. And so what did you sort of decide you were going to do about it besides figuring out how you were going to feed your family? Uh, Yeah, how did that then turn into a leap into where now you are actually working on a solution to that problem? Yeah, it was a long story. But uh, at the time, I was financing and producing films. I was involved in several VC firms. And I thought, you know, I, I want to invest in organic farms or purchasing conventional land and converting it to organic. And I realized I didn't know what I was talking about. And uh, I had met a couple guys in Austin that wanted to start a farm, and I partnered with them. And we built, uh, I think, Texas's first organically certified aquaponics farm. And that was a big challenge um, in and of itself. And, you know, farming is just super tough, however you do it. Um, but what I realized through that was it's not just the farming, it's the marketing, the sales, the distribution, you know, farms are just like small companies. You have to do it. (laughs) You have to do it all. Um, but we labored to create this beautiful, tasty, healthy product. And it was fine when we were selling to uh, local restaurants, but when we wanted to really ramp up production and sell to consumers and go through grocery stores, that's when I saw that, you know, the average, you know, head of lettuce travels like 1,500 miles to get to the end consumer. And so to protect your product, you have to put it in plastic. You might have to, you know, gas it with something. Mm -hmm. Um, And... The price that we receive was only half is what we'd get from delivering to local restaurants. And that was because half of it would go bad on the way. And at that point, I realized that this is never going to work. Our farm, it was very well funded. And I think we were, we were doing things all the right way. Um, it just wasn't going to work. And I saw that other farms just like us are going to have a hard time struggling as well. And that's when I realized there was much more systemic change that was needed in the industry. Yeah, and I think a lot of people sort of have been through the same similar journey, maybe because they're going to be a parent, maybe because they've, like in my case, I finally learned about the food I was eating and where it comes from and what it actually takes to produce it. And it just got me curious and made me want to read everything I could about it. And the eventual conclusion most people start to arrive at is that we need to go back to how things were. That's usually the first thing that you think as the potential solution uh, because you look at the last 70, 80 years of what we've done with industrialization in our food system, it becomes clear that the scaling production model, the monoculture model, has just not served as well, both from a nutrition standpoint, but obviously stripping our soil of its nutrients as well and destroying the planet and adding greenhouse gas emissions. But the challenge with going back to the way things were in this romantic idea of like, let's go back to how we used to farm in the past, is that we didn't have so many people on the planet in the past. And also so many people that are densely 
occupying urban areas and far away from farms. Um, and I kind of bring up this because uh, I find most people don't even know this, but back in the late 1800s, we moved majority of our farming away from urban areas because people wanted clean air and clean water, and they wanted the city streets to be devoid of like animals being uh, butchered on the side or uh, you know smelly farms around them. And so we moved that away from urban areas into middle America and other parts of the country. And here we are now, <laughs> what, about 100 years later, and we are now sort of romanticizing the old way of farming. And the reality is you can do it, yes. Is it scalable? No. And can it feed the growing population on planet Earth? It's going to be challenging. So how do we find a way to... Again, I, I'm always resistant to use this word hack, but how do we find a better way through this system of making healthy, nutritious food accessible to everyone, um, at least in America to begin with, and then hopefully around the world? Where did you come at that solution from? Yeah, I mean, there's so much uh, there's so much in there that would be great to talk about. But uh, yeah, I'd start by saying, yeah, you, I wanted to go back too and say, let's go create a whole bunch of organic farms. But the reality is 50% of people live in cities, um, and that's uh, the traditional way. Um, you know, does it necessarily work right now, not at scale? Um, and what I thought was, let's see, let's not abandon technology. We can use technology wisely. The last, you know, 50 plus years, we've been using chemical technology. You know, that's what my degree is in, in chemical engineering, mm -hmm. though I, I've never really been engaged in any <laughs> chemical engineering uh, job. But the way uh, that I see is that we need to use more information technology, right? And so rather than... Um, apply sort of the latest uh, herbicide or pesticide or new GMO seeds that's going to give us a 3.5% increase in efficiency, let's look at some wholesale changes, completely relook the way we grow and look for 100% gains in efficiency, taking out all the chemicals. So what models did you sort of explore? Because, uh, you know, technology, as you pointed out, we often point as the problem. And, you know, I, I say it myself, too. It's, if you look back, it's technology and popul growing population that has got in us here. Again, not judging both those two causes, but that's just what it is. Yeah. But that technology, again, can be used for good and bad um, maybe let's just dive into lettuce grow. What? How did you arrive at this particular solution, and and how did how did the company even get started? Well, back to the uh, you know the technology. You know the current food system. You need, you know, people are trying to grow uh, crops that will last longer in transit and on shelves, and uh, develop all sorts of technologies to get the product to the grocery store so that it lasts longer. And these things have a lot of harmful effects. Uh, so the idea with Let Us Grow is everyone growing a portion of their own food at home. Now, growing hasn't really had an overhaul in a million years or plus. Um, the average American can't even really maintain a house plant, right? Me so how is that? So how is that going to happen? And so the idea was that 
we could engage farms and farmers to grow, to know um, based on seasonality, what are the right varieties to grow, when to grow them, how to germinate them, and grow them for the first two to three weeks of their lives. And this is like by far the hardest part of growing. Mm -hmm. And then take this baby plant that's about a 20th of the size of a mature plant and send it in the U.S. mail to our customers who then take this plant and put it in our hydroponic uh, growing device that we call a farm stand. And this farm stand does all the watering and fertilizing for you. And then the plant continues growing the rest of its life in your backyard, on your patio, in your parking lot, on your roof. And the produce stays alive until you eat it. So virtually eliminating all of the food waste that occurs due to shipping food vast distances over long times. Yeah. And was anyone else doing anything similar? Because before I heard about what you were doing, the the only other, obviously I've heard of aquaponics and hydroponics, which aren't necessarily home growing systems, but there are some companies that have systems where you can grow herbs in uh, that can use LED lights. I almost considered buying one a few years ago and then realized that you know, I really don't need to just grow herbs at home. What you're saying you've figured out is not just herbs, but also vegetables. Are we talking about real vegetables here or just leafy greens? Yeah, we're talking about real vegetables. Um, it's been suggested a few times that I change the name from lettuce grow to something else because people think it's just lettuce. But, <laughs> you know, we grow cucumbers, tomatoes, eggplant, peppers, beans, peas, even watermelon, and strawberries. Uh, there's about 200 different varieties that we've grown so far. And when you see one of our um, farm stands in person, you'll get it. Um, the large one uh, creates the same yield as 45 square feet of raised beds. So it's enough to feed a family of four. It's pretty impressive. Yeah. And, you know, of course, the resistance to home gardening often is, again, people get really excited about the idea until they actually try it. I have tried it in the past. And firstly, you need the space. You need to have some outdoor space where, where you can have some soil and plant some uh, seeds. Plus, it's messy. And then you need to really figure out the right combination of, of light and nutrients. And, and I obviously know nothing about it. But what you're saying is that the the system that you came up with eliminates all of that. You don't really need to know anything. That's right. And it eliminates the uh, unpredictability of it, which mm. is, I think, the real issue. You know, nowadays, if you need to go somewhere and you don't have a car, you're going to use Uber or Lyft, mm -hmm. right? You're not going to go out and hail a cab. <laughs> and that's what I think, you know, our our system and the information technology we use, we know based off of where you're living, what the daylight index is, you know, mm. what the sun is like, what varieties are going to grow, how fast the plants are going to grow, what their metabolism is. So we can tell you, we'll tell you every week through our app, reminder to add water, and we'll tell you exactly how much nutrients to add. And then we also will have a uh, track 
of knowing when these plants are ready to harvest. We'll tell you mm-hmm. when to harvest them, and we'll even go the extra mile and give you some recipes because mm-hmm. it's really not about growing plants and growing food. It's about eating healthy food. Mm-hmm. So we want to make sure that everyone's successful. And that's where I'd say we're different than other products on the market. You know, there's some that are more desktop units, which are like get fresh herbs, and that's great. And then there's places where you can buy, you know, PVC pipe and all kinds of hydroponic equipment that you have to set up. Mm -hmm. And that's really for like hackers or people Mm -hmm. that really want to tinker and figure things out. But our system is for not for people with green thumbs. Our our system is really for people who hate killing plants, who don't really have the time or the space mm-hmm. to learn, that want to participate in this, you know, food revolution, that want healthier food, that want to make a difference in there with the environment. Um and don't have the ability to do a raised bed. Mm. And so if I, you know, so to break it down for someone who is curious now and would want to know how they could get this, is that you basically order a farm stand and and then you sign up for a subscription of sorts. So I guess you decide what kind of vegetables you want to grow, perhaps depending on your region. Farm stand arrives and then you ship them the seedlings and then the app helps them really do the bare minimum they need to do, and all they have to do is plug it in and put put some water in it? Pretty much. Um, yeah, it's not really subscription, but what you do is you create a taste profile. So mm-hmm. we'll give you a quiz, ask you how you like to eat, what things you like, what things you don't like, and then we'll recommend seedlings for you every month. And through the app, we'll tell you when it's time to harvest, and we'll suggest a reorder and you can make changes to that. And then, um, again, based off of what you're growing, what season it is, we'll tell you how much nutrients to add. The only, I wouldn't even say it's a tricky thing, but the only thing that you really need to do is test your water because the mm-hmm. water needs to uh, have a certain pH. Mm-hmm. And uh, we help you do that. It It only takes a few minutes. And once you do that a few times, it's pretty much the same every week. And uh, really, that's it's. I would say less than five uh, five minutes a week. I I just moved um, in November. I set up a farm stand at the end of November, and I didn't follow any of my own <laughs> instructions. <laughs> and uh, it was just last week I did the first maintenance on it, and it was just amazing. Just the biggest. There's just so much uh, produce there. There's enough for a dinner party for like 12 people <laughs> on it, doing no work. Um, but we do want to encourage people to get into a weekly routine of harvesting, because then the plants are just going to get so big, and it will get overwhelming. So yeah. once you get into a nice uh, rhythm. Um, you'll be uh, you'll be surprised too at how much harvest that you'll have. Mm-hmm. And I love the idea that uh, obviously the unit itself looks kind of cool, so you want to have it around your house or outside it. Um, do you also have a LED growing system, something that people who don't have access to the outdoors live in an apartment? Yeah, um, I'm very excited to say in two months we're coming out with uh, a light kit nice. attachment. So 
you know, right now, most of our growers are outdoors. We do have a number that are indoors using some off-the-shelf lights, um, but the integrated lights um, look amazing, and they we've been testing them for almost a year now, and they perform amazingly. I thought that we weren't going to be able to grow uh, veggies in them, like fruiting veggies, because those usually require a lot of light, but we've been testing. We're growing right now. Um, amazing uh, zucchini and even better than outdoors so um, and they look super cool it looks kind of like a space station or mm-hmm. or something and I'm, in the, I'm buying one when that comes out for sure <laughs> yeah and uh, the other cool thing is we don't use any blue led light mm-hmm. there and blue is you know the light that's not so great uh, for people and i wanted to avoid that so it's very a uh, very pleasant uh, look. And, um, yeah, the blue light apparently is what the babies need hmm. to grow. The it's, babies, it's we're, the baby the plants. Baby plants. Yeah. So since we're growing the plants for the first two to three weeks, right. you don't really need to worry about it. And then they want more red light yeah. uh, as they're growing. Yeah, I mean, you know, I obviously pay a lot of attention to what's happening in our food system and food and agriculture. And ma- the majority of the conversation... Uh, if there even is a conversation happening. Unfortunately, there's not enough of it happening in the media because most other things are occupying um, space on TV and uh, other forms of media. But the biggest conversation, when you hear people talking about it, it's usually pretty depressing. It's about the fact that you know we're depleting our soils of its nutrients and we probably have 60 harvests left before we run out of healthy soil. It's the fact that, you know, factory farming and industrial animal agriculture is draining our natural resources and is, uh, you know, one of the leading drivers of climate change. It's the fact that most people who need access to healthy, nutritious food don't have access to it. Um, And that even the produce that you can buy in the supermarket is often devoid of nutrients. Um, And, you know, you have to do a simple, you, you don't have to be a food genius or knowledgeable about food and health to do a test just if you have a farmer's market near you. The quality of produce there, just in terms of taste, nothing else. Obviously, I'm assuming because it tastes so great, it's also probably more uh, rich in nutrients. Taste the quality of food there, even compared to something you would get at a high-end grocery store, it's just night and day. The quality is just amazing when you go and you buy fresh produce that's grown near you, that's organic. And so the problem is, you know, you often hear people talking about why we need to change, except the solutions seem few and far between. You have some attempting to, obviously we have the plant-based meat and plant-based dairy revolution happening, cellular agriculture hopefully down the line as that the costs come down for that. But when it comes to produce, the only new innovations have been hydroponics, which you have a few companies in that space. Uh, a big challenge they tend to face is uh, is the high use of power. So what you're doing is slightly different. Obviously, this is a in-home system. It's almost, I think of it as, and I think maybe you said this to me, it's distributed farming, really. You're taking, you're taking charge of the, the toughest part in the process um, and then providing this device to consumers to do the easy part uh, in a sort of a format 
uh, in a delivery mechanism that's actually aesthetically pleasing, that is fun to interact with, and then actually delivers the results, which is fresh produce that you need. So I guess what I'm arriving at is that what are the challenges with the system? I mean, it's it's hydroponics. Does it use any soil? Uh, does it use too much power? Like, I, often it may sound like a silly question, I guess, but why didn't anyone else think of this? So, and and how did you manage to do this in the last couple of years uh, and launch a company without having to spend a billion dollars? And maybe you have spent a billion dollars. <laughs> Yeah, so I love the question, why didn't anyone else think of this? Because my last company, that's what people said, too. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we ended up getting, I think, like 98% market share in our, our market. So, um, And that was in the software business. That was yeah. in, yeah, yeah, that was in software. Um, so I think the problem with, you know, the, one of the problems with uh, produce isn't so much the growing I mean, there are lots of problems there, but it's really more the distribution. It just doesn't make sense to pick food, then send it on this long journey, and then for people to go to a grocery store to buy food that's 10 days dead. I mean, it sounds weird putting it that way, um, but it is pretty weird. We're just used to it, going to a grocery store to buy dead food. Um and so what I want to do is shorten that time and shorten all that waste that happens along the way and all the environmental resources that are used for not. You know, when 50% of the food's going bad, that means 50% of the emissions didn't even need to, <laughs> you know, be used and 50% of the water didn't need to be used and all the chemicals. So what we're essentially doing is tackling the hardest part of growing Again, which is knowing the variety, knowing the weather, knowing like the little nuances, like how far to push the seed down, you know, for different varieties. And then we're ensuring that this uh, baby is is like about to be an adolescent plant is is going to survive. And then we distribute it as a living plant for you to finish growing on site. Just by doing that, you know, we could take more than 95% of the emissions off the road because it's, it's uh, you know, um, one twentieth of, uh, of the size. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, in terms of, you know, I don't know if anybody else has thought about it or not, but it's, it's just a very challenging problem because essentially what we're what we've built is, you know, one, a hardware company. And our hardware is also made out of ocean-bound plastic. So that just took forever to figure out how to create a durable <laughs> product. So the units actually are made from... Yeah, the units are made from that. Like, we didn't want to solve one big problem and create, like, five other Perfect. problems. So everything we do is recycled and recyclable. Um, the farm stand is modular, so you can start small and add levels to it. And so, and it's made out of this ocean-bound plastic. It fits like almost like Lego pieces together. So that's a manufacturing challenge. Then we have growing plants around the country and sending them to our customers, and essentially building like a supply chain mm -hmm. system and model that can 
tell us when to start germinating plants, when to send them, and have be able to track what's going on at our customers' locations. <laughs> and then there's a whole you know software mm-hmm. component like our app that customers are using that give them you know all these notices and and also gives them a help desk right because we're really we're not about selling hardware we're not about selling plants we're about success yeah. so we have a help desk if anyone has a problem they can reach out to us we also have a user uh community and it's pretty active so it's nice to see fellow growers helping mm. each other and so i think we're the first that really put all of these components together and we you know i didn't start the company thinking let me start another company to make a lot of money mm-hmm. um it was really let's change the world let's do something uh meaningful and impactful and this is a problem that needs to be solved and it ends up it, you know it ended up taking even more resources you know than i thought and i think that's probably a barrier to other people coming into this market that have you know different agendas or might do it for different reasons yeah and also how long did this process take because what you're identifying is very different skill sets and teams all coming together uh for this one one purpose but bringing their own expertise so just logistically just as a as someone running a company i can't imagine that's the, the easiest thing to firstly put together and then even from an operational standpoint can be a bit of a challenge that's right um well i was sort of lucky with my background is uh i'm i've been an entrepreneur my whole life and the first company i built was a supply chain company mm. um the second was a uh weather derivatives trading platform so there we got you know, software or supply chain, and we got understanding of weather. Um, and uh, that I was also in film production. So media helps on the marketing, mm-hmm. on the marketing front. But then along the way, I've met a lot of other talented people, especially in horticulture, that, you know, have been able to come in and help a lot. Uh, but I would say that there's a lot of out-of-the-box thinking, and I think there's a lot of benefit uh, doing this without a lot of industry uh, insider help because you know you see is when you're in an industry for a while you start to look at it the way everyone else yep. looks at it and we just had a lot of I had a lot of questions like why is it done this way mm-hmm. and even the professional horticulturist I talked to said well this is how you have to do it and just like for example um determining how much fertilizer or how much nutrients um, Mm -hmm. to add. And the whole industry does it on a like parts per uh, like gallon, Mm -hmm. you know, per gallon of water. And I wanted our product to be very consumer friendly and not have our customers measure how many gallons of water, you know, the plants uh, absorbed. So, came up use really used them almost like my chemical engineering background to figure out okay how how fast have these plants grown how much have they grown how much minerals have they taken mm-hmm. out of the water and figure out how much we should be adding to the water just simply based on the plant growth and the horticulturists were like 
well, we've never seen it done that way, and we don't understand that, and that can't happen. But we've been doing it for a year now. All of our plants grow. We still have 100% customer retention, so it works. Wow. Um, and it's that, it was that sort of like new perspective that I think really helped that. And in, in this sort of day and time, you need to have a super consumer friendly product or it's not going to, of course, yeah. it's not going to happen. So like that, that was a, a critical thing mm-hmm. uh, for us. And in terms of, you said a hundred percent consumer retention, which I def customer retention, which I definitely want to talk about. Um, I don't know if you answered this, but like wh- from a resource perspective and you, plug in the unit at home, how much power does it use? It draws about the same power as a light bulb. As one light bulb? Yeah, so it's like 50 cents a month. Okay. Yeah, it's on a, there's a pump, and the pump's on a timer. It, yeah. It's usually on for 15 minutes every 45 minutes or so. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it doesn't really make a dent mm-hmm. at all on the, your power bill. And then water-wise... It's also impressive there. We use like 95% less water than conventional uh, growing. So mm-hmm. it's like, and some some uh, varieties even less. So like uh, for a head of lettuce, it's normally like 20, 21 gallons. Right. Um, and we grow in like 0.8 gallons. And, and these dis- sort of the farms that you have where you grow the, the seedlings, um, where are they located and and how i mean i'm sure you're just you're the early stages of your company but as this starts to scale and grow i guess the ultimate goal would be to have multiple farms um that are located near your customers to even further reduce the food miles here that's right yeah thanks for asking that question because i think it's really cool what we're doing there uh because we're just growing the babies we can grow a 100 times more plants in the same square footage in the same time as conventional growing. So that essentially takes like real estate out of the equation and we can bring these seedling farms into the middle of cities. Right now we're growing on the roof of the LA Mission, which is the largest homeless shelter in LA. Um, as part of our model is, uh, you know, for every 10 farm stands we sell, we give one to an underserved community or to a school. And so we've donated a number of units to the LA Mission, and then we're also um, growing the seedlings there. And half of that farm grows seedlings to feed the residents there, and the other half hmm. grows seedlings uh, for LA. And that's just—it's such a great feeling in that um, you know, not only are we reducing the food mileage from you know, 1,500, it's like five to 10 miles, you know, to many of our residents, though it could take like an hour longer <laughs> to get there in LA. Um, but we're also giving, you know, jobs and passion to the residents there when they come to learn about plants and learn how to grow. It's like they light up <laughs> and that, I think it's worthwhile mentioning, like, that's really why we're doing this whole thing. Because, you know, we talk about, hey, you can grow 20% of your own food at home. But it's really, there's this pride and this passion that gets ignited within all of our growers. And it makes you think about the other 80% or 90% of food that you're not growing. Mm -hmm. And it makes you care a lot more about the planet 
and yourselves. And when you start asking questions, that's when we're going to see real change in the food system because the answer to the question is always going to be, hey, this food was made with love and care or this food was made here by this farmer, you know, sustainably. <laughs> but right now people aren't even asking the question. <laughs> you know, no one wants to hear this was made 2,000 miles ago or 2,000 uh, miles away. Mm -hmm. uh, it was picked 10 days ago and we sprayed this and this on it. Mm. You know, when people ask the question, that's the answer. They're going to say, I don't want that. And then we're going to see real change. Coming back to the to your customers, the fact that you have 100% customer retention right now, what, what are customers saying about the product? Why do they love it? Why do they buy it? Why do they continue to use it? And, you know, how is it? I know there's a lot of questions in there, but I really want to know what you're hearing from them because, to me, that's the that's the... That's the most important data point and what that can inform you in terms of what you need to do next. So what's the story so far? Definitely. And if you are a customer listening, feel free to shoot us an email and tell me, tell me your thoughts. Um, but we have surveyed a number of them. And uh, we asked one question we asked was, uh, you know, why did you start growing with us? What was it? And the question, the answers, there's multiple choice was, uh, you know, tastier, more nutritious food, knowing where your food comes from, making an environmental impact, and uh, learning how to grow. And I was completely surprised to see that learning how to grow was a very distant last place. <laughs> People don't really want to learn how to grow. Um, the number one um, responded to um, answer was knowing where my food comes from. You know, it kind of proves your your sort of thesis that the real issue is that we are disconnected from our food. And for whatever the causes of it, the way we designed our food system, the way we prioritize convenience and scalability, um, because that's how farms could be profitable, we've ended up with a food system where we... We know less than we than we don't know, obviously. And we kind of are reaching a different point, I think, at this moment because of awareness around um, climate change, perhaps awareness around um, just food and how it impacts our lives and how the, the nutrients you choose to consume directly impact your chances of getting diseases down the line or um, healing yourself from existing diseases. I mean, it sounds silly to even say it, but food is everything. And to help people make that, rebuild that connection as a starting point and nothing else um, is a pretty powerful thing. But then do you worry that that's all you become? You kind of become this um, this novelty thing that a few people buy and um, it helps them understand food better Um and maybe that's your goal, so that you then empower them to ask more questions and perhaps they become change makers in their own right and, and bring about a, a new wave of change in the food system. Or do you think this is a scalable, like to what, how scalable is this model uh, to solve some of our problems? And I know by no means are you saying that lettuce grow is going to fix all our problems with, with farming, um, but how much of it can it fix? 
I think it can fit fix quite a bit. I mean, the model itself is scalable. Mm-hmm. I think the question is is really the marketing of it and uh, people's attitudes. I mean, our biggest challenge is apathy. You know, people, um, you know, they turn a blind eye to the issues. Uh, with us in particular, I think people, th- this is such a new product a new concept that people think, oh, this is like high-end gardening, you know, equipment. Mm-hmm. My aunt would love this. You know, she loves to garden. And, and to that, I'd say, no, if if you care about food, if you care about the environment, this is for you. It was made for, for everyone. So our target is everyone. Um, and, you know, specifically, our target is to get a million people growing in the next four to five years. And I think that's that's very possible. Um, and yeah, we just, we just started, but our stats, you know, we've rescued, I think something like 90,000 or almost a hundred thousand milk jugs from going into the ocean. We've saved, uh, 9 million gallons of water. And I think almost our customers have almost had like half a million harvests. Mm. Um, so just in those numbers alone, we're making an impact. But I think the things that we can't measure are really how what are those customers doing with the rest of their choices? And I think that we would see much more awareness and much more impact in other areas that we're not measuring. And that's, for me, that's what success is. It's not just the number, mm-hmm. you know, the number of units or the number of seedlings we sell. It's the number of uh, like souls that we affect, <laughs> yeah, and the number of impassioned people we create to mm-hmm. make change. Because I did have, you know, we were pregnant when I started this, and I now I have two kids, and I want, uh, you know, I want to have a better food system mm. for them and for all their peers when they grow up. Yeah, because you talk to most parents, and they want to, you know, if you if you asked, I, I would say if you survey. Most Americans haven't done this, so I'm just guessing, of course, whether would you want to teach your kids how to grow food or understand where food comes from, Um, whether it's in your school, if there's some program that can help people um, provide that kind of education to their kids. I'm guessing most parents would say yes, right, because it's an important lesson that we unfortunately don't learn. At least I never learned. Um, I can't I don't remember learning in school. and so if you can tell parents, we've broken down all the barriers to entry. We're providing you with a unit that also looks cool and delivers on its promise, makes it easy without all the mess, without all the waste. You don't have to know anything about gardening to do this. And what you have at the end of the day is, is food that you can actually consume. Um, and imagine having empowering a new generation of, of kids that are born into, unfortunately, a planet that's not the same one that, that we we took for granted a couple of decades back, and we'll have to face the worst consequences of some of our completely, I was going to critic, I was going to use a critical word, some of our bad decisions, but, you know, we made decisions based on the facts we had. And I say we, I mean, the powers that be that designed our food system to be the way it is. Uh, but now you have this new generation, and, and what if they grew up in a household that taught them about food and how to consume it tomorrow when they go into the grocery stores they're going to they're going to be asking very different questions from someone who you know is used to 
food being in a package all the time and have never seen a farm or never had to actually think about what goes into producing food. So I think what you're attempting to do is a bit of bring about some sort of cultural change because most people are addressing the problems with our food system in two ways. One is looking at systems change, which is, you know, we need better food companies, we need better technology to grow food, and we need better inputs and efficiencies to to make things better on, on the farming side or the food production side. And on the other hand, you have people focused on behavior change. You're kind of doing both. That's right. That's right. Um, changing mindsets. And, you know, back to kids. I watch kids. You know, we donate, you know, a farm stand uh, for every 10 sold to a school. So we have lots of kids interacting with farm stands. And it doesn't even have to be with our farm stand. It could just be with raised beds or on a farm. But every single kid I've ever seen on a farm or around a farm stand interacts Almost, I would say, loves it. It tells me that it's in our DNA to grow food. It's just dormant. We haven't had to do it for a while. Mm. And in this time that we haven't had to do it, we've actually lost a lot of information. You know, it used to be passed down um, from our grandparents, and we had that. And now, you know, in even like 100 years ago, I think 70% of Americans were growing their own food. And now it's, I think, like 1% are employed in agriculture Mm -hmm. so and with that we've had this disconnect and we just feel not qualified to have an opinion and that's Mm -hmm. kind of where i started was like what are these ingredients on the label somebody else is qualified to make this decision but in fact no one else is qualified to make that decision Mm -hmm. it's us we just need to feel qualified feel empowered and by us helping people grow and helping these kids grow they feel empowered. They feel pride. They feel they care. And that's all really you, you need to start asking questions. It's not that complex, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. If we did it all the way to get to here, now we're saying, oh, my God, it's overwhelming. Yeah. You know, we did it before having all of this, yeah, this I know. technology. So we are doing two things. I think there's so much efficiency in our model to address a lot of the systems issues. Our system is really great at delivering shelf-stabilized product over long distances, right? Things that can stay on the shelf for a year. But it's horrible at fresh food. And fresh food is what really sustains us. Mm-hmm. And we're specifically tackling the problem of fish, fresh food and all the phytonutrients and everything that comes with plants. And by doing that, we're also sort of creating this new generator that's going to help propel us mm-hmm. um, by changing behavior and mindsets and creating awareness about the rest of food. And hopefully then people will vote with their dollars. And in five, ten years, all these other food companies will be changing their behaviors mm-hmm. to satisfy these new consumers. The The story of food is fascinating, isn't it? If you look back at, you know, ancient humans, our ancestors, they spent most of their days figuring out how to find food. And so the point you mentioned about it being in our DNA is probably because of that. It's that we have, we are, we're genetically coded and we are, it's in our instincts. It's been passed down over generations, this 
this, you know, like as much as we have a flight or fight response, we, I think, have an ability to constantly hunt for food, uh, hunt or gather for food. And that's what our ancestors did because they didn't really do anything else. They sat around and they figured out where's the next meal going to come from. And now over the years, we've evolved. And especially if you look in the recent past and look what's happened since the advent of agriculture and um, industrialization, we've ended up in the place we are today is because our food system and whether it's subsidies, whether it's, uh, you know, why certain, why, why are we getting majority of our calories from a few crops and nothing mm-hmm. else? Um, you know, why is the American food system just basically soy and corn? Uh, it's because the system evolved to balance the needs of the growing minority with the consuming majority. And so that balance, how do you keep that balance when people want less and less to have anything to do with growing food. And we went through this phase where that didn't seem like the most exciting job. Still isn't for most people. No one wants to go be, very few people want to go be a farmer. Especially, they mostly do it because it's a nice hobby now. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's a hard life, whether you're farming vegetables or even if you're involved in animal agriculture. And it's not a very profitable life. Um, and then if you even look at, you know, why did the food system consolidate and the work that Tyson and other companies have done with vertical integration. And and then you had add on the, the, the chemical and the fertilizer companies. It It is kind of bleak. and But the thing is we kind of, we need to do something right now. And the only thing I worry about is can we bring about the change? Can we bring about this mindset shift in a timely manner? Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, it is in our DNA to grow and to want to grow. It's also in our DNA to turn a blind eye, right? <laughs> and to not worry about what's going on in the other room and let outsource those decisions to the experts. And I think we've now realized, like, we're the experts, or that's what we're trying to tell people. We are the experts. And the more, for me, I'm you know, my part is putting these farm stands in every possible place I can. So when... Somebody walks by a house, sees one on a patio, or sees one at a school. It puts the issue front and center and puts it top of mind. So people wonder, you know, where the rest of their food is coming from. And the more we can get it into the mindset, you know, the more change we're going to have. Because people are essentially good people. People care about themselves. They care about the environment. I think it's all education and empowerment and making it easy for people to actually participate in a tangible way. You know, there's so many amazing documentaries out there about the food system, but after you watch them, you (laughs) sort of get depressed. And, you know, then what can you do? And so for us, this is just a tangible way for everyone to participate in this new food system change and to take it back as a people to democratize it and not have it in the hands of CFOs of big food companies making decisions for, you know, optimal, uh, you know, economics. Mm -hmm. It's really, it's factoring health and factoring an environment and sustainability into the equations. Yeah, and also what you said right in the beginning, it's using technology for the right purposes to bring farming and growing food and contextualize it for our modern times. 
if you go if you go tell people we've all got to grow our own food and that involves making sure we have some land and soil and spending half our days outdoors tending to the soil and the plants that's never going to happen so yeah we need a modern solution that's using the knowledge that we've gathered from software and hardware and um even the technologies that we've developed for farming whether it's hydroponics um and down the line solar power and other means to to make this more efficient to kind of yeah deliver that end result that you want which is get people closer to their food and help them understand how to grow it and how to and what that even entails it's such a compelling solution in my mind because it it isn't really talking about going back to the way things were it's almost making it relevant for our times today thank you i think so too <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um so what's next with um with let us go where do you go from here now that you are you've done the hardest work not to say you don't have hard work ahead of you but you've you figured out these different components you've launched this company the products on the market you've got customers the customers seem happy where do you want to take this next and what are your roadblocks and challenges that you anticipate as you seek to reach your goal of 1 million people in the next few years we could have a whole podcast on that <laughs> on that question um well i mentioned that we're coming out with the lights you know at first i thought hey we'll tackle the su- the um uh sunbelt states where people can grow outdoors and then we'll we'll roll out lights and hit the northeast but what we found is so many people growing in California, growing in Texas and Florida don't have the space and they need to grow indoors. So I think the lights are going to make a huge impact there. Um, our app, too, what, I, what I'd like to do is broaden the functionality of that and make it available for anyone growing anything in the U.S., or any food in the U.S., mm-hmm. with or without our system. Because our mission is really to get people to grow 20% of their own food, and they don't have to use our product. If they'd like it all taken care of for them, we'd ha- I'd love that. But we want to help everyone do that. All that information that we talked about that's been lost, we want to regather that information and then give it back out in ways that are useful. So the idea is that somebody could take a picture of a plant that they're growing, um, and if there's some yellowing on the leaves or there's some bug on it, they can send it in, and we'll tell them what it is, and we'll tell them, you know, how to remedy it. Um, you know, we also are aggressively working to get into as many schools as possible. We partnered with Whole Kids Foundation. They help us identify the schools. So I think you'll see that, you know, this next year we're going to be in quite a few um and it's really getting the word out and getting the word out to people in a way where they understand that this will work for them Mm -hmm. um it's a product that um it's a lot easier to grasp when you can touch it feel it really if you taste the product that's when and you pull a leaf off the farm stand and you put it in your mouth people one the taste is amazing but two, people realize, oh, this isn't going to break. This mm-hmm. is like how it works. And that little step is um, is really critical in taking that leap. So for us, it's figuring out how do we scale the 
distribution of the product because mm-hmm. we can't have showrooms all over the country. We, you know, we go to a number of farmers markets, and um, you know, so we're looking at various options mm-hmm. there. Right? How do we give people a feel for it? We do. Um, we have uh, changed our return policy because we haven't had any. Um, it was 30 days. Now it's 90 days. And maybe we'll make a, a year. I'm not sure. Um, but we want to do everything we can to encourage people to take that leap. And uh, because that's that's what we need, you know, for change. Mm-hmm. And, you know, distribution, as, as you said, is so crucial in this whole thing. I can, I know you're doing, working with schools, but I think partnerships are going to be kind of key to the to the growth. I mean, I can. You basically want to have a unit or a few units in every place where people possibly think or consume food. So I can even envision maybe you're already working on some of this, but with grocery stores, even for that matter, um, or other touch points. Um, I mean, you said farmers markets, but they could be. Yeah, you know, I could imagine. So many other touch points, including restaurants, where people uh, just even looking at the unit makes you want to ask questions about it. I mm-hmm. know you've done some with restaurants and and bars and things like that because it's that yeah, it's that experience, that ability to to pluck a leaf and taste it. And you made me taste some. Was it wasabi lettuce? Or? Wasabi arugula. Arugula, That's right? My favorite. Yeah. <laughs> I love arugula anyway, and that was just the perfect combination of flavor. But uh, I didn't even know that existed. Um, just uh, that experience that, you know, that live demoing of a product uh, is important, of course, because it's we can sit here and talk for hours about this conceptually, but it's something else to actually see it and believe it and realize, oh, this is this is how beautiful growing food could be, and, and this is how amazing the actual produce can taste. And then, of course, the next step, I think, and I know you're already doing some work on that, is problem with most Americans, they don't know what to do with their produce, right? How do you, how do you mm-hmm. use vegetables and cooking vegetables and doing stuff with, with um, healthy produce uh, besides salads, which a lot of people just find boring, it, it can be a bit of a challenge. So there's a level of education beyond just the growing part, too, is about hey, there's this whole world of vegetables and greens that you can do fascinating things with, with different flavors. Um, and there's a whole amount of like learning required there because most Americans think of food as being sandwiches and burgers and other easy things. Um, and produce has sort of been lost in the process. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of partnerships there. I think, you know, Lettuce Grow is a great platform. So, you know, partnering with doctors, nutritionalists, chefs, where they can actually curate growing plans, mm. you know, for their followers and recipes around those growing plants. So that's definitely um, something in our path as well, because it really is all about, again, the convenience of meal prep, eating, making sure food tastes good for kids. Yeah. And, um, and uh, yeah, it's also why we... You know, we build the we built the system in a modular way, mm-hmm. um, so people can start small. And at first, they say, you know, we'll we'll have one extra meal a week at home or two extra meals, and then they start to change their habits over a couple of weeks or a couple of months. 
And then they realize, wow, I could actually make something without of having to go to the grocery store. Mm-hmm. And then they call us up and they say, we'd like one more level. <laughs> you know, so our upgrade rate is pretty, you know, it's something like, I think, 15% mm-hmm. so every month. So that's really nice that to see that people are changing their habits and starting to say, we want more. So it is kind of an onboarding and it's just starting small, starting easy and gradually introducing new things, mm-hmm. never making it overwhelming always like within grasp. Yeah. And, um, and then working with others that have expertise in their own areas that help that add other elements, right, to make the whole experience even better. Mm-hmm. And I know we've been talking a lot about sustainability and the environmental benefits of this system, but, you know, you mentioned doctors and dietitians and stuff. It makes me think... Yeah, the healthcare system could use something like that. Like, imagine this in, in hospitals as a talking point. Maybe that's a bit of a stretch, but down the line, you'll see, have doctors prescribing, hey, maybe you should get a farm stand. You've got to bring that joy back to eating fresh produce. And yeah, how do you make it interesting? How do you make it exciting? That's really the challenge. Well, nothing tastes better than food that you grew yourself. <laughs> <laughs> well, I haven't tried that yet, so maybe maybe that's my next step too. And I And I think a lot of people listening would should probably take that step too. Um, let's look far ahead. Uh, I end the podcast with this question always is, and the reason for that is because we're 7.5 billion people on the planet. When we started the discussion today, we talked about why our food system got to the point it did is because of this growing population and the need to feed them and balance the needs of the growing uh, minority with the consuming majority. And we're pro- projected to be 10 billion by the year 2050. And we've discussed all of that on this podcast about what that impact will be on our soil, on our ecosystems, um, because food is food can save us. Food is also currently destroying us. Uh, so we need to change, and you're part of that change. My question really is that when you succeed at meeting these goals and this vision and mission you have for the company and others in the food system that are solving um these gaps in the food system, whether it's the challenge of producing sustainable meat from plants or cellular agriculture or aquaponics and hydroponics or yourself, when when we are su- successful, um, when your kids are grown up, uh, I say the year 2050 because we're going to be 10 billion people on the planet, what kind of food system do you envision if we get it right? I see... Uh relocalized food systems where most of the food is comes from short distances um in terms of fresh food i see that you go when you go to the grocery store uh you're you're buying little seedlings and you're taking it home and you're finishing it on site just by doing that we can serve a hundred times the amount we can do right now 100x that's not a hundred percent so like 10,000%, right, just with that little change. And so that's a simple idea. You're just saying you create the infrastructure and the home units that make that possible. The experience that consumers have is you walk to a grocery store and you yeah, you, you buy a, a plant that you can then finish the growing. Yeah. <laughs> it's not great for instant gratification, but, uh, <laughs> but it's, uh, it, it will make an impact, a huge impact. Thanks, Jacob. Thank you.
You've been listening to Eat for the Planet with Nil Zacharias. If you enjoyed this conversation and would like to show your support, please subscribe to the show and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. To learn more about how Eat for the Planet can help your brand or organization develop the right strategy, implement scalable operations, and grow responsibly, visit EFTP.co. That's EFTP.co. Let's rise up to the challenge of transforming our food system. Thank you for listening.